Welcome to Olympian Method, the show where we ask the deep questions in philosophy. Please like our video, subscribe, and hit that bell notification so you'll know when our new videos come out. And leave a comment telling us how handsome Wolf is. <laughs> or any reason. Or tell us who has the better hair. I know I need to shave, but anyway. Yeah. I've got a jacket on, so it's all good. I feel like James Dean right now, but without the leather. Nice. Uh, so, so Sean, I wanted to ask you about... By the about... way, that's my unconstructed identity. Ah, uh, very nice. I want to ask you about something that you brought up in the previous chapter. Uh, it was, I think, a thought experiment about a child who is playing all alone, um, sort of in their own imaginary world, um, and sort of what we can glean from that. Okay, so... It's, it's a thought experiment, but it's very grounded in developmental psychology. So when we are children, we play. And it seems completely obvious to say, but I always say, if you don't state the obvious, you create the oblivious. <laughs> nice. So you, you, anyway, when a child is playing by themselves, they are negotiating an identity. Mm -hmm. Let's say, and I use the thought experiment because I actually used to do this. I played video games from a very young age, which is kind of like, you know, a simulated fantasy of where there aren't really any consequences. You, I, when you're playing a video game, even though there's avatars and characters in the game, you don't have to negotiate your identity. Mm. Your, your identity is just almost well, like the observer of that world. You kind of get complete control over your identity in some sense. Yeah. That you don't necessarily get in the real world right well you have almost you don't have you, you're basically a god more or less it's, it's like a god simulation. <laughs> it, dep it depends on the, the mechanics of the game but yeah. yeah so anyway so i took inspiration from that being allowed to play video games from a young age and i mm. used to play a game called mech warrior mm. this is going somewhere folks. okay <laughs> but i would pretend to be a giant robot that mm. could like destroy buildings you know had lasers mm. coming out of my hands you know pacific rim style I, I don't think you were the only kid who pretended they were you know yeah. big menacing robot at some point in their childhood but imagine a kid who only does that by themselves they have no restrictions on what their identity can be they can mm. literally be anything right when they're playing now imagine that kid is playing with somebody else and they're like, I'm a big, I'm a big, powerful robot. I can, I can shoot rockets out of my hands. And the other kid's like, yeah, well, I can shoot lasers out of, out of my butthole. I don't know. It's <laughs> going to get demonetized for that. We're not even monetized, but, but anyway, it's like, it, the point is, is it's like you negotiate your identity, even when you're playing imaginary games with other kids at that age, like mm -hmm. when you're like three to six or like two to four, it's like. You, you go through that cycle so but you, you that negotiation isn't needed when you're off in your own imagination right you're like you're saying you're essentially a god you you're all powerful in that scenario because anything is possible as long as you're able to imagine it yeah and it's and it's uh, very i guess solipsistic is kind of the right word where you where your interpretation of reality is like kind of the only one that really matters mm -hmm. and I, I actually think to a certain extent that's kind of important to for some people to like have that sort of like catharsis to feel like you know they are in control but it's like when society is made up of people right <laughs> so we negotiate we don't just have the identities we give ourselves we have the identities we give each other right mm -hmm. so like well if i give you the identity of a, of a friend yeah and you know i guess well i i don't know if you necessarily gave it we, we kind of negotiated ourselves into both being friends right isn't that oh, right, kind right. of how that usually works right yeah like I, I didn't just come up to wolf and be like hey you're my friend and you were like because that's I creepy accept. you know like you didn't click like the yeah and it's it's not like i have like it's not like a, it, but you're, you're you're right there are some identities that are kind of bestowed upon you though like let's say in like a working environment it's like you're the manager right that's like mm -hmm. you're given an identity you better accept it or there'll be consequences 
Right. And and then there are some people who claim to be the manager, even though they haven't earned it. And those that has a completely different set of, <laughs> set of consequences. Right. But, but you see what I'm saying? There's yes. like, there's some identities that like you take upon yourself and mostly mm-hmm. individual. And then there, there are some identities that are negotiated in groups. Mm-hmm. And then there's other identities that are kind of just thrust upon you and you have to accept them or there'll be consequences. Right. So <laughs> for example, Oh gosh, it just, I don't know if I want to say this, but it's like, okay, I identify as a man. Okay. Thanks for sharing. And I am a biological male. So I guess those two things are processed differently in people's, some people's heads these days. That's fine. I accept that. So, Mm -hmm. um, I have no issue with that, but if I do not accept the fact that I have male genitalia and I sit the wrong way, I'm going to have a bad time. Hmm. So that is an unnegotiable part of my identity. The fact that I have a hand is kind of a part of my identity because it allows me to do other things that give me other identities. For example, if I'm a writer and I need to do this, need to type, and I can't do it because I've broken my hand, it's like, well, that identity's in crisis. Or like I said in the last episode, I can't play guitar. That identity's in crisis. Right. You know, if I was an athletic, a triathlete and I lost my legs in a, in a driving accident, that would be an identity crisis. Yeah, or I think I'd mentioned this off the air. If you, if a similar situation, you have like a world class athlete who loses their like due to a big injury, they they lose all of their athletic abilities. It's like they've put so much of their identity. They've invested so. It's kind of it kind of is an investment in that case into your own identity at that point. That it seems you would have an existential crisis if you lost that. Mm-hmm. And it's I've heard a couple of people say that what we're seeing right now. There's a lot of issues going on in the world today, but. I heard the thought, and I think it's true, is that a lot of people never really got the chance to, to play and negotiate identities with people at a young age. And I think part of the reason for that is our generation did grow up with video games. Mm-hmm. We did grow up living in that solipsistic world where we could make our own identity and not have to, to negotiate it with other people. Or we still did, but it was like there was like now a confounding variable where it's like you didn't have to negotiate it. You could sit at home and play video games all day, and that was perfectly acceptable. You could be the god of war, Kratos. You could be, you know, Master Chief from Halo. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, it, it, you could be anything you wanted to be that was created by somebody else. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's not exactly a new phenomenon because there's no, some no, people no. who would escape into like books even before technology right. was the thing, right? So, I mean, I think human beings have been doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think books are slightly different because you're you're at least. You're, you're not actively engaging in that world. You're just sort of appreciating the world that's been being created. I, I, I tend to, I can at least engage pretty actively. Okay, when okay I, I will correct myself. That is true because when I read the Harry Potter books, <laughs> I used to pretend that I was like at Hogwarts with Harry and Ron yeah. and Hermione. So you're right. That can, that can definitely be fueling your active imagination. And that's often. important. By the way, that is so important. And, and, and so I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing, but I think it's maybe what we've lost as a society is the the aspect of our identities that are negotiated with other people. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of lost a sense of where, what's what's the acceptable amount of individual identity that I give to myself and what's the acceptable amount of identity that other people give to me. Right. And I think one one thing that's that's changing it, like in this era we're in as a pandemic, like I'm one of the people who's been working from home now for over a year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely modified my identity to some degree, right? Because now all of my interactions with coworkers have been happening, you know, over Zoom meetings in this case, um, which is a very different kind of interaction than you get when you're in an office with someone. That's very true. And I think that that leads to your negotiated identity is actually different fundamentally because of that. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I, I imagine that when you're in person, you, you're able to kind of use your body language more effectively. It's not just what you see on the camera, but it's how you stand and how you move. And, and it's hard to actually, you don't actually make eye contact with people when you're on a Zoom call. Mm. Like I'm having the issue with that right now. It's like, do I look at Wolf's face <laughs> on the screen? Do I look at Wolf in person? Do I look at the, the camera? camera. <laughs> and it's like, the, the how do I convey to the person watching this that I'm actively trying to engage with them? And mm-hmm. by the way, the person who's watching this, they can't really talk with me. They're, they're, they're having thoughts in their own head while they're listening to this mm-hmm. if they've made it this far. Thank you, by the way, if you have. But, <laughs> Congratulations. But it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's different because it's like you're, the person who's watching this, it's probably one at least probably going to be us in the future <laughs> and it, hopefully it's more, but it's like, it's, it's an interesting identity that I, it's almost like this identity that's in this video right now. Mm-hmm. It's like an avatar of me. It's actually not me. Does that make And that's an interesting thing. Cause it's like, if I change after I make this video and my ideas change, the only way that I can actually effectively do that would be to delete this video, which I don't want to do, mm-hmm. but it, it's like, but that, yeah, to that, to that, to a point, I think that's related to that. I think being in front of a camera is another thing that might change what your identity is, or at least how you behave in that scenario, right? Because it's kind of it's a negotiation of you with whoever the viewer is going to be, right? Versus the negotiation you'd have with someone in person, like you were saying, would necessarily be different, right? Exactly, and it's because it's for a different audience. It is. It's true. And, and podcasting is, this is such a new thing. Like talk about a, a, an identity as being a podcaster, <laughs> right? Like it's so interesting to, I mean, I'm having a discussion with you, Wolf, but it's like, I'd be, I'm, I'm so curious to know what the people who are watching this are thinking. Like, mm. like, I don't like talking to an empty room. Like I've tried doing that where I make videos <laughs> and it's like, I don't have anything to negotiate with. It's, it, it's kind of my true self. And I think that that's important. To, to hear your own thoughts and what yeah. you think your identity is. But it's also important, I think, to accept the limitations that other people give you within reason. Like, obviously, you don't want to be bullied, right? Right. You don't want to be put down. You don't want to be put into a box that you don't want to be put into. But at the same time, you don't want to put an identity on yourself that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm not a giant robot with, that can shoot laser beams out of my hands. And good thing I'm not, because with anger issues like this, that would probably be bad for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about the family identity, though, a little okay, bit. Okay, sure. So you have the, the kid who's alone playing, playing with other kids. That's a negotiated identity. But you don't get to negotiate the fact that you were born. No, that's kind of non-negotiable. Yeah, and the fact that you're a son or a daughter, I mean, regardless of what you identify gender-wise, it's like you are an offspring. Hmm. You, you were biologically created. You cannot get past that fact. And so... You now have to, you are forced into a social structure with two existing adults of whom you've never met, who you must form all, and the model that you use for them will be the model that you use for probably most, if not all of your other social interactions with other people. At least at an early age. At least at an early age, right? And so obviously it's important to interact with other people besides your parents, but Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, I don't... Peter, it's I can't not talk about Peterson in this. Of course regard you can't, <laughs> because he's he's regarded. He's been called the father figure of YouTube, for in in a, in, a, in a way. So it's like, what does a what is a father? What uh, is a mother? I mean, it's well, it's 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 at least two things, right? It's because there's it's a biological connection with someone, but it's also mm-hmm. like an archetype of a particular role in your life. 
That's a good point. So, so what, what is involved in that role in, in being a father and a mother, right? Or, or, and, and being a child, what's, mm-hmm. what's involved in that? <laughs> like that, I'm not a father, so I don't know. I don't, I, I, I would be speaking about an identity of which I have no knowledge. Mm. The only identity that I really have as of now, I think is, is being a son. Right. Um, which is weird because I'm 30 years old and I feel like I should have a family at this point, but that's <laughs> besides the point. I mean, Wolf, have you, have you given thought to like what would happen like if that were a path that you were to choose like to have a family, like how, how your identity would change? Like, can you, can you even fathom what that would be like? I mean, I'm not on that path myself, but I can imagine how it would drastically alter. Well, I don't think, here's the thing. Um, here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting question for you. Does your identity, do you have like a singular identity that has different components to it that sort of morphs over time? Or do you have multiple identities that you can essentially add on to over time? Do you get what I'm saying? So I see. So do you have like a core identity? Yeah. Do you have a core identity? And you know, there's, there's, there's some biological traits to that, that, you know, aren't going to change. Right. And then you start adding things on top of that, that are, let's say social, certain behavior, uh, certain, um, okay. let's say brain activity that you have like mm-hmm. on top of that. Um, and certain relationships you have, so like your role in society might be a part of that you build over time, but then you could like the, the, that you could add on different parts to that identity. You could add on being a father, maybe as part of the, like as another identity you have, right. or do you think that rather than those being like separate identities that you're adding on, that you, there is really just a unified identity that is sort of changing, morphing mm-hmm. and is, is sort of like encompassing things over time. I know it's probably sounds like the same thing, but I still think it's worth trying to decide, distinguish those two. Well, this is where it makes me feel very spiritual. Like you're talking almost about spirituality, like the the spiritual identity, not the religious identity, but like at at our core, who are we? Mm -hmm. What are we? Like, what, what is that answer? What is the human identity? And, and should we even think about it as a human identity? Should we think about it beyond that in terms of an identity of just being a living being? Right. I mean, so there was the notion of the global identity, but you could take that even like universal identity, right? Is there, oh <laughs> is there an identity that just means like to be right. or, or not to be? <laughs> I th- well, I mean, it's like, clearly it's better to be than to not be. <laughs> right right but is there an identity that is shared by all things that be or all things that are is my question you're blowing my mind right now i know (laughs) i I hadn't even thought about that one until just now oh my gosh this is why shakespeare was so brilliant (laughs) maybe he like knew this and that's why he posed the question could be so what do you think folks to be or not to be (laughs) that is the question indeed indeed well wolf i'm I'm kind of out of steam on that one i (laughs) so I ended the last episode with, uh, I guess, a question for the audience to consider. Um, do you have anything that you'd want to add by any chance? No, I think to be or not to be is best I can end with at this point. That's the best question, right? Yeah. We hope that you choose to be, whatever being means. And if you don't know what it means, let us know if you have any suggestions, hypotheses, postulations. We accept all forms of written content Indeed. in our comment section. Except hate speech. (laughs) Please don't hate me, man. I know my hair is ugly, but come on. (sighs) Wolf. Sean. Olympians. Until next time. Later.